Hello, welcome to the Inside Ellen Road podcast from the Yorkshire Evening Post. This is episode 73 and I'm Graham Smith, joined as ever by Joe Urquhart, um, North Leeds posh boy, for a discussion on a win at Luton, uh, a trip to a, a grind with some character, I think it's fair to say, um, and all of the latest Leeds United news. Um, let's start with Kenilworth Road and your first impressions upon arriving uh, in Luton. Well, it wasn't North Leeds for this for this posh boy, so <laughs> I don't know why you've made that up for a start. Um, That's the thing, now. Well, obviously, loads of people have said about um, the fact that, like, sort of the entrance to the terraces is sort of basically in people's back gardens, and it quite literally is, isn't it? I'm not sure what I was expecting. People say that when you think, ah, oh, it's an exaggeration, but we were walking down the alley, and literally the stadium was like 10, 10 yards away from people's houses. <laughs> it reminded so. me a bit of uh, the BFG when he's like hiding in amongst the houses in like, you know, rows of houses in, in the film um, or the book. And uh, it's like a stadium has hidden itself in a housing estate and, and like, and they've become intertwined and, and grown together. Um, so you do have quite literally the fronts of houses and tunnels going through like what seems to be underneath someone's upstairs to get supporters into the ground. Yeah, and then once we went in, there was a a fence open, and you just thought, ah, oh, because we were walking in the uh, Kenilworth Road side, weren't we? And kind of just flung open, you saw the corner flag, and you were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I was the corner flag 12 yards away from where people stand on the concourse to get the pie and chips or whatever. It was, yeah, it's, it's, certainly, it's certainly a world away from sort of going to like the Hawthorns at West Brom or any other sort of newer modern stadium, but I quite like that character, and it felt like wherever you were stood in the stadium because we had a good wander around that you had a good view and you felt like you were in the game and I think stadiums like that need to be cherished all right some some people might argue that they'd be happy to see it bulldozed but you know there's there's a lot to be said for for football grounds like that just to pull back the curtain slightly on uh, our our industry i I often judge my experience of a football stadium based entirely on the dimensions of the press box and the <laughs> the distance between chair and desk, the angle at which the desk has been built, how much of a ledge there is to stop your laptop from falling off, if you can actually open your, your laptop fully. Um, at, at Preston, you are, there's not a lot of kind of leg room and you're, I, I think both of us ended up with severe back and neck injuries. I from, mean, I'm not a tall guy as well. And well, I well neither of us are. <laughs> I mean, neither of us are. And we I struggled. Are, we are very much like Leeds United and, and lacking height. Um, but at Kenilworth Road what I liked about the press box was that you are really close to the pitch um, you do have a vantage point there was a large post right where the goal was obstructing our view of <laughs> Kiko Casillas uh, left hand upright um, but what it did do was afforded us an incredible view of Marcelo Bielsa's a- analysts um, taking their lives into their own hands and climbing up a ladder um, you know, vertical, entirely vertical ladder to to get up into this kind of gantry constructed of scaffolding and, and wooden yeah. um When you've beams. got two backpacks and a tripod, it's not something you want to be stood at the bottom going, I need to get to the top of this. I, I was caught between wanting to film it for the potential viral content and wanting to rush over and shout, don't do it. Um, because they appear, both appear to be lovely chaps and very, very friendly fellows and I didn't really want to see either fall to... I don't think... 
Do you think they both went up just thinking Bielsa wouldn't accept that I'd refuse to go up this ladder? Like, it's almost like I'll die for the cause of getting this video footage. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that, that's the kind of regime I imagine Marcelo Well, I also, I also think it's the devotion that he inspires because if you're willing to sit through, you know, 50 to 100 Brazilian second division games to analyse them in order to earn Marcelo's respect and a place on his staff, you're probably going to be willing to risk your life on a ladder. I also think that there's probably a hundred analysts out there who would climb a far more dangerous ladder if it meant getting a job in Bielsa's staff. So you probably do whatever you can to keep your job when you work for even Marcelo. Even if it means risking death. <laughs> even, even if it means risking death. Um, the, the thing about Kenilworth Road I like as well is that the atmosphere you're engulfed by in the press box, it's, it yeah. is in front of you and to the side of you and behind you. Um, at Elland Road we're quite high up at the back of a stand and whilst you have supporters to your to our right and a little way to our left and below us, quite a way below us, there's no one behind us and so you do feel a little bit removed from the atmosphere which can be helpful at times but I quite like that raw, almost non-league kind of a, a feel when you have supporters all around you and you can really feel the, the atmosphere and the mood um, and it was one of those games where the mood shifted and the atmosphere got tense and um, it was a it was an enjoyable I thought it was a very enjoyable afternoon actually yeah I, I agree with I think most of what you said there it's it's, most. it's far better well I don't always agree with everything you say <laughs> so <laughs> but being in it in it, you know, like you say about the um, the sort of room in the press box wasn't great because I basically had to sit on your knee so that was a bit <laughs> that was a bit dodgy but like being in the it almost feels it's I was when in, I think the first time I experienced this with Leeds was when I went to Rotherham last year and Rotherham's very vertical and even though you're about 20 rows up you still feel like you're right on top of the, yeah. um, on top of the game and when um, I think it was a Jayu scored for them last year you basically felt like you'd hit it with him but that's I think it's great you feel like you say when you've got fans behind you I think you said about there just about the game the, the shift in momentum in the second half you could really feel the fans getting right into the game because of the what they perceived as a sense of injustice from the build-up to the first goal and that sort of pushed them on didn't it and then the whole ground got involved and then it almost the atmosphere dropped again but you could sort of feel it so like you say it was a very enjoyable afternoon and obviously when Bamford pops up in the 90th minute makes it even better as well yeah it had a bit of everything the game I mean it had it had the kind of usual leads possessional dominance that you'd expect it had a, a little spell for the opposition again which we've kind of come to expect in, in some games um, it had controversy um, for Luton in particular who felt that they should have had a penalty for a Dallas challenge on Collins which I'm not too sure I agree with that one they felt they had a, a goal incorrectly chalked off for offside um, and I've not seen moving images of it but there are stills that exist that, that maybe make you think it might have been an error and they also um, felt and they possibly had the most justification for this that Calvin Phillips filed Izzy Brown in the lead up to Leeds first goal when Patrick Bamford scored but as Mars, I think I would concur with um, Bielsa on this that so much took place between that incident which was debatable at most it was never a nailed on free kick it was, it was very much a debatable incident but so much happened and I'll, I'll, I'll let you describe it for the listener who hasn't seen it maybe there is just one listener who hasn't seen it that so much happened between that incident and the goal that you can't really link that moment 
with the goal. You can't say Leeds scored because a free kick wasn't given just outside the Leeds penalty area. But did a lot happen? Because basically Ben White got the ball and ran 70 yards and gave it to Bamford. Well, that is a lot. Yeah, but it's not, is it? But it, <laughs> it is a lot for a centre-half to do. Yeah, but, because but not only he did just he, ran straight through Luton yeah, but and he, gave the ball. He ran with the, the necessary pace at, at the right angle to stay out of trouble and then played a and quite the, brilliant outside-of-the-foot ball for the run of Bamford. Bamford had to run and lose his marker, get in behind. It was like a blindside run from Bamford. And Bamford had to finish at the near post and beat the keeper. Yeah, no. Well, when you say it like that. <laughs> but, when faced with the facts. <laughs> when faced with the facts. No, but I just mean it was directly the, same, the, the, the attack, the resulting attack, wasn't it? So you can see why from the Luton side you'd be fairly peeved off. But I was of the persuasion that it wasn't, he made the most of it anyway. And that's not to say it wasn't a foul. I think when Calvin first, when you watch it from the commentary side when Calvin first goes in to challenge him if he goes down then it's, it's a free kick but he like stabilises his legs turns realises the ball's gone he's like he sort of something switches in his brain and goes I, want, I prefer to have a shot here and then he chucks himself to the floor and I think that's what the referee's seen hmm. so that's why I'd argue that he's exaggerated contact whether that's a free kick or not I'm not sure I think if he's against Leeds people are annoyed so I think you have to try and look at it that way so uh, Bamford puts Leeds ahead, his first goal from open play in quite some time, his second goal in two games. And at this point, you're very much thinking Leeds are away. They're dominating, they've got, they've got on top of the game, they've scored a goal. Luton surely can't cope with the tempo that Leeds are setting. And then all hell kind of breaks loose. Yeah, well, uh, I think the first half... Because they'd been so dominant, probably the best half an hour of football Leeds played for a fair while in terms of carving an opposition open and sort of creating chances at will. Um, he just assumed that naturally the game was going to follow that sort of pattern. And then maybe it was the fact that they had this sense of injustice. The crowd sort of seemed to react badly, didn't they, to the, the decision from the referee. And then Leeds sort of... We haven't really seen it much, but they seem to just lose their sort of heads for the next 10 minutes. Like every time they tried to find an out ball, they were either slicing it out for a throw in or giving it straight to a Luton midfielder. And it didn't really feel like the leads we've seen this season. I mean, every team's going to have a dip, but it was very odd. And like you say, they equalise and then whether or not he's offside, um, they were lucky to, to sort of see that through and then regain their composure and go and get the winner. But it was a very weird sort of 10-15 minutes that we're not used to seeing under Bielsa just a complete lack of control it was no surprise that Izzy Brown was the man that pinged the ball to the back post for the header that um, I've the, seen him the, do that loads for the uh, under 23s last year <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he he really was the danger man and his battle with Phillips was, was gripping I've really enjoyed this season watching Phillips up against an array of characters in the championship you know he the uh, Tiago Silva completely dominated him and, and Silva ended up being dragged when Forrest came um, Johnny Williams probably got the best of him against Charlton but very few players this season have got much change out of Calvin Phillips I think the best player in that position against Phillips this is, is that Pereira at, at West Brom mm. and he basically you're never going to shut him out for 90 minutes but the first half for Ellen Road when they came to Leeds he basically was non-existent Second half, he got a bit more around it because naturally Leeds were ahead and things sort of fell away. But I think it's a tip of the cap to him that eight times out of ten he beats he beats the opposition, and yeah. that sort of says the quality that he has. 
Yeah, absolutely. I thought that was a great battle to watch, and and Luton only really to me looked particularly dangerous when Brian got the better of Phillips, and he did a couple of times, particularly in that spell. Um, but as much as Leeds looked like they were rocking, and they did very nearly concede a second, they settled, um, steadied themselves, and then then came a moment I think that surprised most in the ground when um, birthday boy Jack Clark was allowed to celebrate his 19th birthday on the pitch with 19 minutes of actual championship football <laughs> um, first time he's played in the championship for Leeds this season um, and, and maybe there maybe there is a way back for this loan spell that, that up until I think up until that moment it looked entirely doomed and it looked like it was going to end in January maybe there's a little ray of light there for this move yeah I didn't I think we talked about it on the way back on Saturday, but we didn't see that substitution coming at all. He's not had any sort of inclination, or he's Bales has not really given any inclination that he's maybe thinking about throwing him back in. He seems to have been a very sort of player on the edge of the squad this year, and yeah, just an interesting move. And like you say, maybe with the festive period looming, this might be a chance for Clark to pick up some more minutes, make an impact and maybe stake a claim for, for having some more involvement after the sort of Christmas period. And if Bielsa is wanting two players for every position, it, it does bring another option into play. And, and he said that he wanted to freshen up his, his wing options and the playmaker position. Um, and he also brought Liam Cooper back and that was a moment that should gladden Leeds' hearts because... Um, you know, when you hear that your captain's got a small tear in the groin, it, it doesn't it doesn't sit well. Um so the fact that immediately after the international break they've got Cooper back in contention and he may well play at Reading, um, that is some good news. Yeah. Um I think for any team uh, in football it's you know, we always want to have your captain on the pitch. Um and I think he's shown to be a real leader. Not only sort of in the dressing room but off the field doing a lot of um, sort of charity work and things like that and I think you saw the impact of him and the the respect a lot of the squad has for him in the Amazon documentary as well um, so he comes back on Leeds solidify uh, and they just showed real patience for me they just probed and probed and kept going the plan didn't really change there was no panic um, and, and let's be honest a 1-1 draw at Luton would not be a desirable result for Leeds and that's no disrespect to the Hatters whatsoever but this is a side many of whom well several of whom played in League 1 last season some of whom played in League 2 the season before with Luton um, they just don't really have the quality that, that Leeds possess they have some good players that, you know give them their due and they probably performed like it was their cup final, like many teams have done against Leeds this season, but Leeds really should be beating a side like that if they're going to go up. And eventually, in the 90th minute, Click got himself free, got to the byline, pulled the ball back, and then uh, Liam Cooper and or the defender put the ball into the back of the net. So I've said Liam Cooper. Liam Cooper. I hope Liam Cooper. <laughs> oh, that, you just added a third um, layer of injury. A dubious panel aren't listening to this because it'll send them back to the footage. Uh, Patrick Bamford, of course, um, got his second. I've credited it to, Bam- to Bamford simply because I don't see the point in declaring a goal like that an own goal. Now, if he'd taken a shot and it was perhaps heading wide and takes a deflection and beats the keeper and goes the other way, then... Fair enough, it's an own goal. 
But if a striker gets into the position at the near post to slide in and probably get contact on the ball, and if not, you know, well, well, I think he did get contact, so let's say that. Gets contact and then the ball maybe comes off a defender and doesn't seem to change course or direction and goes into the net. Why even bother looking at it? Why not just give him the benefit of the doubt? What does it? What does it matter? I don't know. Well, the defender doesn't want you're it. Shouting at me. <laughs> well, I'm just. You are. I've put you in the position of the dubious goals panel. Well, I'm going to give it to Matty Pearson. Um, no, I, I agree with you. Pearson doesn't want exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. Why would the defender? The defender doesn't want it. The striker wants the it. Striker wants it. Just case closed. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, exactly. um, Bamford celebrations afterwards. Um, he loves giving a bit back, doesn't he? He loves giving back. Um, to the community to the community of Luton um, <laughs> giving a little bit back it's funny because and it and it sums us all up you know your player does that you know gives it the the hand to the air the Hulk Hogan um, and and it's phenomenal it's great you know Izzy Brown gives it the big one in front of the, the Leeds fans and and it's not so great um, but it's those kind of incidents it's those moments and those players you love when they do it for your team and you absolutely loathe it when the boot is on the uh, the other foot yeah well just completely unnecessary from both of them really. <laughs> like, Brown had been had spent like a, a year here Leeds had supported him obviously it didn't work out kind of amicable split just like right never mind back you go Bamford's just like turning to the whole Luton stand and just <laughs> cupping his ear for no apparent reason other than maybe he had like a, a bad evening in Luton 10 years ago or something that he was still... I can't imagine Patrick Bamford well, that's what spending, I mean. so like, a, spending just, an evening in Luton just like unless somebody shouted something to him and he thought I'm gonna, just going to stand there yeah. and then obviously he got all sorts of gestures back from yeah. the Luton natives so there's one, just... one young gentleman <laughs> using both his hands to, <laughs> to, do, to, to, to show do. to show exactly what didn't he thought didn't even know that gesture um, existed uh, which was remarkable, really. Probably worth having a look at if you can find it. But um, I think um, our columnist, Moscow White, a.k.a. Daniel Chapman, has a gif of it on his timeline without yeah. getting into murky waters. So just go on his timeline yeah. and look at it. Um, but for Leeds fans, for the Leeds fans that were there, I think, and I might expand on this a little bit later in the week, that I think a moment like that will live longer in the memory than some other moments this season because of the venue, because of the number of Leeds fans that were there, quite a small number that were there compared with, with other uh, grounds. Um, it's like if you were in that thousand that that saw that goal, saw the 90th minute winner and the, the limbs and the away end, I think you'll remember that because it was so hard fought and it came at the time when it did and the fact that it was Bamford getting two goals in a game. Yeah, I might be wrong, but I think I'll probably be the smallest away allocation of the season. So, like I say, very. I'm sure a lot of people will hold that dear to their hearts with Bamford cupping his ear um, and annoying a lot of people. Yeah, dream come true. And speaking of dreams, um, I uh, I think we should discuss my first ever Leeds United anxiety dream. Um, so uh, the floor is yours. So. I have been prone to those kind of dreams in the past where you dream you're back at school but you don't have your, your school books and you're doing an exam and you don't know where the exam is and you don't have a pencil well, and that kind of thing. I've never had that dream. I've had the dream where I've got no trousers on. <laughs> I think that perhaps says quite a lot about each of us but we're not going to that. School books? But, um, I had a Leeds United dream where I came back off holiday and 
was awaiting Marcelo Bielsa's press conference and instead of Marcelo Bielsa, David O'Leary walked in and no one had told me that Bielsa had gone and O'Leary had been appointed as his replacement. And this is the interesting thing about the dream is that my biggest concern in the dream wasn't so much the fact that nobody had told me Bielsa had gone or even that Bielsa had gone. It was that I wouldn't be able to type up O'Leary's quotes as quickly as I can Bielsa's because Marcel Bielsa speaks through a translator and there's like enough time to type what's being said before the next statement comes. Whereas with O'Leary, I couldn't do it. And so I came out of the press conference having only typed like a line and a half and felt I was just really worried. And I remember, and I woke up feeling anxious. Well, I'm sure lots of people have had anxious dreams about Bielsa leaving Leeds. <laughs> but that is a weird one. It was, it was odd. I don't know what it says. Was I in this dream? Or was Lee in this dream? Or was anyone? I'm no, just thinking, I, like, why would we have not told you? That was, for me... Did you, like, get there and go, why are they... Ha- why, for why me, that was, that was the, the, one of the real things that hurt in the dream was, was that you hadn't... <laughs> I wondered why you were being funny with me. <laughs> you hadn't forewarned me <laughs> that Bielsa had gone. Maybe you just didn't want to interrupt my holiday, but, um, but I feel better for sharing it. And, uh, well, you've always got to talk about these things. And I hope... That it'll help others as well who perhaps had similar, yeah. had similar dreams. Had any weird um, dreams yet, so. If you have had a, a Legion or a Bielsa related dream, feel free to tweet it to us. Please do share it and, and we'll read it out. And we'll read it out on the next um, <laughs> next podcast. Please keep them clean. Um, so from dreams to uh, nightmares, Eddie and Kedia has had a bit of a nightmare because just when he was getting back into the Leeds team, I see what you've done here. Um, he got an injury, a lower abdominal injury of unspecified detail, and um, that stopped him from making his first championship start for Leeds. Bamford kind of has kind of taken that situation and, and run with it, you know, seized the, the day, as it were, scoring in that game from the penalty spot, arguing the toss with Tyler Roberts and forcing Roberts not to take the penalty so he could take it, and then scored two on Saturday so Bamford has kind of made hay while the sun has been shining and Kedia still isn't back with the group Bielsa told us that on Thursday he will return to training with the group um, is there enough time for this loan to be resurrected? Yeah I think you have to try and be positive about it I think they'll need them both over Christmas as long as Nketiah gets to a level of fitness where he can play because obviously it sounds like he's not done a lot of training since it happened so I think you've got to try and be positive and try and be just remain calm about the whole situation if you're of a Leeds persuasion because he's a player that certainly adds another dimension to the attack and would be a massive, massive blow to lose him in January. So all you've got to hope is that he comes in and when he does come in, he scores goals and feels like he's making a sort of progress here and then hopefully in that sort of persuades him in January that this is the place for him for the next six months. Yeah, I think so much does does hinge upon him, and Bielsa said it himself, hasn't he, that, that he thinks it's whether or not Eddie feels comfortable. Well, I just think if, you, if you're him, put yourself in his shoes, he can go to most championship clubs and play every week. So, But like we've said before, why would you try and shy away from the challenge of, of the Leeds United number nine shirt, almost? Um, and and you also, just wouldn't, would you? It's do you want to go and score... Like nine goals at a club that that might make the playoffs, or do you want to chip in with some go- some really important goals and fight fight it out with Bamford and maybe the pair of you fire Leeds United to automatic promotion? That was a really brilliant dig at Lee Johnson, that wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that 
didn't have Lee Johnson in mind. No, you did. Uh, <laughs> just, just a minute. But, but now that I do, I see that um, Bristol City had tweeted some videos from, like, they had some getaway together with the squad and Lee Johnson had had them acting out scenarios from the dressing room where people had to play him and do their best impressions of him. Um, self, 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 selflessly putting himself you know, in the, the firing line for the humour. Um, great banter, guys. Making the banter about himself. Uh, so if you, if you are so inclined, you could go and find that on the Bristol City social media feed. Um, Can I just point out as well, Bristol City's social media feed is really weird. Yesterday, obviously, we're speaking on Monday, so it was the Man U Sheffield United game, and it was absolutely nothing to do with them. Sheffield United are long gone, and they tweeted out a picture of them celebrating at Bramall Lane last year and put like a caption of like, "Not every team can win at Bramall Lane." I don't like that. Like they're in like they're in the Premier League. Yeah. Shut up. I don't like that. Stay in your Um, lane. It just feels really staged and forced. It's like... It's like their I, kn- I know people will retweet this. It's like their gifts, um, isn't it? It's kind of going after easy easy engagement, isn't it? I feel like this has turned into a Bristol City. Yeah, but let's, let's broaden it out. It's not just Bristol City. I like a lot of clubs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think Leeds United Twitter sometimes feels quite mischievous. Uh, I don't mind mischief, but I do mind forced kind of... What I do mind is... Lee Johnson being asked inexplicably at the end of an interview if, if a result felt better than sex and Lee Johnson turning in a not at all staged, planned and scripted moment turning to the camera and raising one eyebrow Can you do that by the way? Can you raise one eyebrow? I can yeah Yeah um, I can But I wouldn't wouldn't ever say to someone ask me this question and then I'll turn to the camera and raise an eyebrow I would never do that I think we should do that <laughs> at the end of every podcast <laughs> people can see it though so um, Reading is the next game up for Leeds United uh, a team who play two up front they've got two midfielders who provide a lot of creativity assists and goals in Ovi Ejaria and uh, John Swift um, players who are causing teams a lot of problems players who have developed a relationship between them so it's two attacking players that Leeds will have to clamp down on my bet would be Dallas will take one of them Phillips will take the other yep case closed case can closed. we can we just wind back to the Luton game I just want to mention when Bamford's first goal went in did you see the little celebration between Jack Harrison and Ben White no uh, go and watch it it's like the cutest thing ever. <laughs> like Ben White, like I think it's Ben White anyway. He like turns or Jack Jack Harrison turns as Bamford puts it in the corner, and like one of them leaps into the other's hands. It's like perfect timing, and it's just like makes your heart full. <laughs> okay. Anyway, well, sorry, Reading. If I'm if I'm having a, a dine moment, you I'll, should just make it a gif and just I'm, watch it I'll on your watch that. Like yeah. Ben White and Jack Harrison. I mean, obviously Ben White and Callum Phillips have the bromance, but you can mm. clearly see like him and Jack Harrison clearly have the thing going on. I enjoyed Calvin Phillips' uh, Instagram story of him doing the old scare cam routine on Ben White at Thorpe Arch. That made me laugh. Um, last week as well, it appeared that he was physically bullying Ben White. Yeah, like, I think they just decided to have a bear. Having, having like a, a play fight. Um, I, I imagine in that bromance that, that Phillips, just, just because he's northern and like a physical kind of footballer, the kind of lad who would enjoy like... Beat, you know, beating his brothers <laughs> up or beating his friends up, you know, being the kind of one that's the, the, the more physically able. I just imagine him being the, the, the aggressor in most of those situations. 
Don't you? <laughs> I don't know where this conversation's going. <laughs> um, well, I think he was... <laughs> he'd either choke-slammed or body-slammed Ben White, so... Yeah. Um, anyway, back to Reading. John Swift, Stuart John Swift. Yeah, I think... Well, as we've seen, I think it'll be the same formation in the last few games. Um, was it like 3-3-3-1, three, 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 I think it's been? It's either 3-3-3-1 three, 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 no, or 3-3-1-3. Three, three, but I think, I think you're right. I think it'll be three banks of three yeah. and a one. And how, also, how good was that little moment from Stuart Dallas? I absolutely lost it in the press box. And you were like, what are you on about, Sure, But um, he like basically had it. He was like in left back. Because I've come to expect it. <laughs> and he like flicked it over one of the players. I can't remember who it was. Either Harrison or Phillips. And like flicked it back. And he like did a dummy and a nutbeg him. And then Leeds, like he basically took like four players out. And I just like almost stood up and started <laughs> applauding in the press box. Like, nope, you have to remember where you are. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, started the game at left back, Stuart Dallas, for about four minutes, three and a half, four minutes, and then, because we we do, at the start of a match, try and work out firstly where Stuart Dallas is playing, and secondly the formation that Leeds are are employing, um, and it changed. It was almost like they thought, let's have a wee, little look, just make sure that we know what Luton are doing, and then, and then we'll put Dallas in midfield. Isn't that great coaching though? Like you can basically start them in one, and then. Without saying a lot, you can basically say, no, flip to this. And then they all know where they should be mm. for the rest of the game. In and then stick to it. And then just stick to it. And it was, it was Shinny like, that Dallas stuck to Shinny's boots for a great deal of the game and stopped him from playing a lot. He didn't have a clue. what like A lot of the midfield in the first half of Luton, when, they, when Leeds were going through that spell where they were basically creating chance after chance, were like handing players off because Click and Dallas were moving around the mm, midfield and, and like turning around but then they were handing them off to no one because someone else was off trying to run and yeah. cover Ailing and it was like they just didn't have any idea they were so stretched and it was yeah it's just the coaching we've become become used to yeah um, interesting line from Bielsa today um, when I asked him if he's changed the way he operates this season from last season he said that he doesn't he's less involved um, he doesn't have to tell the players as much because essentially they've got used to him. You know, they've they've kind of spent enough time under him now that they know what to expect. And that is, I suppose, what underpinned uh Leeds United's whole continuity theme of the summer and their recruitment and keeping the big players and and believing that this group of players could continue to improve under Bielsa, continue to learn his ways and execute it better than last season um, defensively that to this point certainly is true yeah he sat and listed the whole squad didn't he asked what, like what's better and what's worse he, he kind of tried to be a bit modest and just say I think we're basically the same squad but it's, it's left so far and away in terms of all knowing their roles and drilled to, to what they are and I think just uh, they're so I think it's only natural that He's been here for what eighteen months now. That most of the players will know how to, you know, when it's double game week or triple game week or single game week, what his plans are, and if they're all routined into their formations now and the drills, they all know probably without as much guidance. You know, it's not all fresh and new, and there can only be a good thing and a benefit, well, well a big benefit to to Leeds that they all do. Great. So prediction for Reading. Um. 3-0. 3-0? Yeah, I've decided that they're going to score goals. Okay. To um, Reading, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Patrick Bamford will score again. 
Pablo Hernandez will score and there'll be a, a, another dubious own goal I think 2-1 <laughs> to Leeds Roberts and Bamford how are Reading going to score who are Reading going to score they got the lad up top aren't they? Reading just the most championship team ever <laughs> and you know when you think of the championship you just think Reading let's hope that they um, honour your accreditation to the game after that comment that's fine that's the kind of game you do the comment you make in the in the post the post game podcast I'm not too scared of the Reading Ultras to <laughs> I think I'll be okay the um, <laughs> did, did anyone ever um, go and find the actors from that music video that Reading put out We Are The Royals and ascertain whether a single one of them had ever watched a football game or observed how a goal was celebrated in a game of football. Or see, even know what football is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. If, if you are on social media right now, you should, and I'm, I'm sure you're aware of it, but find it and watch it anyway, um, because if nothing else, it will test the solidity of your molars as you cringe and grind your teeth throughout the entire thing. This like, reminds me of the Yap Stam cartoon they had as well dressed up as like Batman on the screen before the game it's just absolutely just weird yeah imagine imagine Leeds doing that with Bielsa and making up like a little theme tune Bielsa probably just leave on the basis of that (laughs) just be be like what is this (laughs) yeah Um, so there you have it that has been episode 73 of the Inside Ellen Road podcast from the YEP thank you very much for joining us we may well be back again this week with another podcast um, as we discuss what happened at Reading and look ahead to the next game which is at home to Middlesbrough.